Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Classy, Sassy, and a Bit Badassy, the Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Sophie, and for this episode, we have a special guest here with us to discuss career development, money psychology, and how that connects to emotional intelligence. She is an expert on the subjects of executive leadership, emotional intelligence, career development and strategy, and social entrepreneurship. She has served leaders and employees at a diverse list of companies, from action sports, consumer goods, food and beverage, finance, pharmaceuticals, entertainment, and more. She's also the author of four books, including Engineering Your Mood, It Pays to Be You, It Pays to Be You Workbook, and The Money Formula. She's also the president of Leslie Inc., which provides emotionally intelligent corporate management consulting and sales training globally. Please welcome Leslie Jevenecker. Thank you so much for being with us today, Leslie. It's my pleasure, and thank you for the warm welcome. As I was exploring your website, one book that stood out to me was your Money Formula book. And in there, you write about the barriers that keep us from financial happiness. So what is financial happiness, and what does it mean to you? Financial happiness for me is feeling like I am who I want to be, I can do what I want to do, and I can do it when I want to do it and with whom I want to do it with. So it's that sense of freedom and choice and liberation and also owning my own calendar. Um, And I noticed in the executive world, a lot of people strive to move up in their careers and become VPs and CEOs and even board members. And what I've noticed is, is yes, you may make more money, but your time becomes more and more tied to that money and the source of your money. And therefore, your time and your choices are limited to who gives you money. So I talk about that in my book, and I want to help people realize for themselves, what is your version of financial happiness? And what is your relationship to money? And to explore that and to open up all the possibilities within you. Speaking of our relationship with money, something that comes into play are self-sabotaging financial behaviors. And so what are these behaviors and how can we begin to address them? So self-sabotaging behaviors are those behaviors that seemingly go against your best intentions, right? So if you're trying to save money and you can't help but spend it because perhaps you're an emotional spender or maybe you're not using your time wisely or maybe you don't feel like you can make enough, these types of behaviors that conflict with your sense of self and your identity and and the desires for the life that you want to create for yourself, they add up. And a lot of these self-sabotaging behaviors are subconscious. They come from our childhood. They come from the environments that shape our attitudes and our self-concepts of what money we think we can have and what types of experiences we're entitled to have, like college education or vacations or a nice home or people working for us um, domestically. Um, These are the types of questions that I want people to ask themselves to look at what are your own self-sabotaging behaviors? What are your best intentions? What are the things that you want to create and experience? And then what are the things that you're doing that you feel are keeping you from having 
having and being and doing all those things. There's a conflict there. And that conflict is an inner one. And it goes down to what is your emotions trying to tell you? And I always say that the emotions are the language of the soul. Your soul's trying to get your attention and it's trying to help you to change your attitudes and consequently your behaviors. I like how you brought up emotional spenders and how emotion ties into our money habits. And so what role does emotional intelligence play in our relationship with money? Emotions have everything to do with our relationship with money. Emotions have to do with our sense of self-worth, our concept of ourself, are, am I the person that can manage millions of dollars? Am I the person who can have millions of dollars? Am I the person who feels comfortable spending it? I've said the story before. I was working and having lunch with a woman whose husband was one of the founding employees of one of the world's largest tech companies. You know, she's got a Tesla X and 20 plus million dollars of real estate. And she said, you know, I have a lot of money and yet I still feel poor. So emotional psychology, how we think and feel about what we have and our security, that even though I have maybe not what I want, I still feel financially satisfied. These types of feelings that we cultivate from within ourselves have everything to do with how we think about ourselves in our relationship with money, how money is exchanged in the world, who has money and who doesn't have money, who has access to things that other people don't have access to. All of these questions and these issues boil down to how we feel about it and our assumptions of ourselves and the world and our relationship to everything in life and others. The money formula helps people to explore their emotions. Why do I feel so unsafe psychologically when it comes to money? Why do I feel threatened about not being able to pay my bills next month? Why do I feel like I can never turn the corner financially? These are the things that I want to help people answer and resolve finally so you can be the person you want to be financially and to experience the life that you desire, not the one you feel is being handed to you by the economic conditions around you. And connecting to your career coaching and emotional intelligence expertise, how can we use emotional intelligence not only to examine our relationship with money, but also to create and develop our career? So when we talk about career development, your personal brand and your emotional intelligence, it all centers into your own self-worth. And that's why I wrote the book, It Pays to Be You, because it's about this concept of, gosh, you know, in a world of fast money and YouTubers and influencers and, you know, uh, these kinds of um, get rich quick schemes that value, you know, things that aren't wisdom. And you know what I mean? It's like anti-intellectualism in the world today, financially and professionally. We ask ourselves, gosh, do I have any worth? in relation to this type of society that seems so dysfunctional. And I can't seem to game and figure out why does it feel like I'm always losing to the house. And so my entire career is asking people these types of questions and helping them to relieve themselves of the emotional burdens that they experience to develop and cultivate and resolve their own self-worth. Now, I'm not saying self-esteem. I'm not saying about, you know, um, what is your talents or your skills, although that comes into play. I'm talking about how you feel yourself in the market, 
you know, lawyers say that what you have is only as worth as what the market is willing to pay. Well, if the market doesn't have a value on wisdom or truth or, you know, um, integrity and values instead, you know, sex or fast money or whatever it might be, consumerism, you have to ask yourself, you know, how do I feel in relation to that? And where can I align myself to an environment that values what I have so I can make a living, so I can pay for my children's education so I can have a retirement. Um, And so that stems to these questions about building your own sense of consciousness about yourself, what's what's good about you, your creativity, how do you solve problems and how do you face them? What are your emotional habits? They might be destructive, like complaining and blaming and worrying. And then building your sense of confidence and and your skills and and where you stand in the market, and then your connectivity, networking with other people, finding those people who who value you and giving them that value that you have to offer to enhance their own projects. So I call that the four C's, but it's really about helping people build their self-worth. And that translates into every area of your life, your relationships, your career, your finances, your environment, how people treat you. These things matter. And I like to use all of my time (laughs) and effort into helping people develop that sense of self-worth. And as we start to develop our sense of self-worth, I feel as though it'd be very easy to recognize that you're in the wrong career, that your worth is not being valued at your current place of employment. And so as people start to think about a career change, what's the first thing they should be doing? It goes right back to the four C's, you know, look at yourself. What are you conscious of aware of being? I was talking to somebody yesterday in a session and, you know, he says, you know, I'm a new father and I have this business and I'm not really sure if I have to go back to a full-time job just to make ends meet or continue on in my, on my trajectory of being an entrepreneur and a business owner. And I said to him, you know, you need to write down on a piece of paper all the nasty thoughts that are in your mind, those things that you're avoiding, I call them ghosts, <laughs> you know, oh, you'll never make it. You can't afford it. You won't be able to do it. You'll be too sick to show up. You'll be anxious. You'll have a panic attack. Whatever these nasty scripts are in your head, write them all down. Look at them. Just look at them. A lot of times we let these scary thoughts intimidate us and we react so poorly to the thoughts that we think. Look at these thoughts. Look at them. And then ask yourself, where do they come from? Did I create them? Are they a thought form? Are they something I've dwelled on? Did I get this, you know, from my childhood? Did I get it from somebody and I believe them? Um, And examine those thoughts and then admit for one second, just admit it and confess it. I've I've had to do this for myself. Admit that you're not the person you want to be, that you're not the person who can deliver the results that you're hoping for. Admit it for one second. Write it down on that piece of paper. Roll it up into a ball. Set it on fire because that's the old you. That old you has died. The person who can't have the things that you want to have and can't do the things you want to do, that person's died. You've you've eliminated that person. And now you're someone new. You're the person who can do it. You're the person who's capable. You're the person who will. And you're the person who you want to be. And it's it's really that mantra of like, am I the person I want to be? And start there. And if you're if you're not, then ask yourself, what are all these thoughts that I'm believing and buying into, these assumptions about myself that I'm holding on to that are determining 
my choices and my actions that are self-sabotaging me and preventing me from succeeding, write them all down, set them on fire, and let that old version of you die. That's what that's what I'd say. Start there. It's very easy. It takes maybe 10, 15 minutes, but it's going to illuminate some of those dark things, those secretly held fears and and you know, destructive feelings and let them all go. Let them go. I think we can also apply that to past relationships. Um, as you were as you were talking about this, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure I've done that at some point or have wanted to do that, to just take old photos and to set them on fire and just let them burn. Really, it's it's the best way to release those negative emotions and to to get some of that closure, especially for those relationships that didn't really end that well or not on a a mutual note (laughs) good burn baby burn (laughs) absolutely burn baby burn um and i love how throughout this episode you have mentioned some of those tangible techniques that we can use to develop our sense of self-worth and our emotional intelligence and so before we go what are some other techniques our listeners can use to develop their emotional intelligence one of the things i always recommend especially for children is encourage them to to journal look at those thoughts a lot of those thoughts are just reactionary thoughts they're subconsciously held thoughts they're thoughts of your environment uh, look at those thoughts you know it's it's like looking at your journals from when you were 13 and everything was so dramatic and oh my gosh you know um how did i dare say these things it makes no sense right and sometimes you know, putting it down on paper and and examining your thoughts, the source of your thoughts, the purpose of your thoughts helps to process what you're feeling. Because most of the time, we're just reacting to thoughts. We really are. I, I like to say to people, you know, it's just a thought. It really just is. But when we have a thought that comes inside of our head, like there's inflation right now and and everything's going up. You know, my electricity bill's $500 a month. You know, a lot of people can't afford that, you know, and I look at that and I go, gosh, that, that is a lot of money. But if I were to say, oh my gosh, I can't afford it. And I start reacting to it by feeling bad or frightened or insecure, then guess what? I've given that thought power and then I start to give it life. And I think it was Hermes that said, um, you know, life is the meeting of um, our word, our thought and our mind. And if we introduce a thought into our mind and we start to react to it, then we're giving it power. So if you have a thought, look at it and say, gosh, you know, is this thought helpful to me or is it destructive? Examine it and then decide for yourself, is this an experience I want to create? And if it's not, cast that thought out, examine them all, examine what people are saying to you and what they're trying to convince you to believe. Because if you don't, you're going to be a passive minded individual, constantly reacting to the stimulus of the life around you, rather than being a creative, intentional thinker who chooses what goes on in your mind and what goes on in your life. I could not agree more. And to tie everything together, what is one thing that our listeners should take away from this conversation? That you can choose what you think and what you feel, and you can do something about it. And that's the premise of my book, Engineering Your Mood, is that a lot of the time, these types of things we feel like we can't control, that they're automatic. But you can learn how to examine what you're thinking, examine your experience of what you're thinking about, 
and redirect your attention to truths like I am in control of what I think. I can examine this because once you go from a position from being a passive experiencer of your thoughts and the reaction to those thoughts to the godlike person who looks at a thought and says, you know, where did this thought come from? And, you know, why is it there? And what's it trying to do for me? And, you know, how long has it been there? And when did it come up? And what do I want to do with it now? And let me pull it out of my body and examine it in my imagination. And why don't I send it out into space and and really start to just use the thought creatively, then you become in control of your experience. So things like depression, anxiety, um, you know, low motivation, procrastination, self-sabotaging behavior, addiction issues, you can start to take control of your experience. You are not a victim of circumstance. You do not have to sit here and take the crap that life gives you. You can change what you think and what you feel, but it all starts with you and how you think about it. I absolutely agree. And speaking from personal experience, I think that's something that I heard a lot in mental health counseling was separating fact from feeling. And a lot of the time when we are feeling depressed and we're feeling um, anxiety, we are connecting feeling or we're connecting even past trauma to a current event or to something that has happened. And we confuse how we feel about a situation with what has actually happened. And that causes us to overthink when we combine the two together. And that causes us to feel depressed. That causes us to feel anxiety and to feel overwhelmed. And so I just want to say a big thank you for coming onto the podcast today and shedding some light on that and for sharing how we can start to address those self-sabotaging behaviors, how we can start to develop our sense of self-worth and how we can let go of those past experiences to create new experiences, to create a life that we are excited about, a a life that we love, a life that is filled with promise and opportunity that has those good habits, that allows us to examine our emotion, but to address it and to confront it head on and say, here's how I'm feeling. And I know that I can get past this. I know that I can, I can heal. And so thank you again so much for coming onto the podcast. I think all of our listeners took away something amazing from this conversation. I know I did. And so once again, a big thank you to Leslie Javinicare for coming onto the podcast. Well, thank you so much. And I'll leave you with one final thought. And that's on the back of my book, Engineering Your Mood. And it says, you know, your life experiences do not tell you who you are, only what you're thinking. And you can change that. So you're absolutely right. I love your therapist. A plus for them. And, and, you know, keep striving, keep being vulnerable, keep sharing your story, because there are other people out there who absolutely will benefit from this podcast. And I appreciate you for letting me share a little bit about it. That concludes this podcast episode. Thank you so much for listening. Our next episode will release on December 11th at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at CSBB Podcast for updates on new episodes, episode excerpts, podcast previews, as well as morning motivation. You can also visit our website, classysassybadassy.com, to listen to previous episodes, to check out our full list of guests, as well as to listen to all of our future episodes.
A big thank you to everyone that has been listening to the show. This podcast could not be possible without your support. A free way to support our show is by leaving it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever streaming platform you use. This is a chance to tell us what you love about the show, and it helps others discover it too. On that note, thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode, and don't forget to stay classy, sassy, and a bit badassy. Thank you.